Hey folks, here we are. Got another exciting episode for you. Zooming in all the way from Springfield, Missouri. We've got Mr. Brent Sweet. In addition to having the coolest last name going on, Brent is a uh, an active real estate investor focusing on single family homes, getting into the whole burr thing. And what I found really interesting is when Brent <laughs> Brent sent in his application to be on the show, he said you know, I think a good title for this would be building a real estate portfolio by trial and error. <laughs> All right. So Brent, sounds like you've had some interesting experiences. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, definitely had some interesting experiences. <laughs> well, why why don't why don't we start off by just kind of giving people a quick little snapshot of number one, how did you get interested in real estate and when did you start your real estate journey? Yeah, so I got interested initially, um, like in 2005, probably. Um, a yeah. friend of mine, his dad was a big real estate investor in town, and, and I had met his dad a few times, and he was like, seemed like he had it going on. So I was I was really young then, but that was kind of like, that's the investment vehicle I want to get into. It was obviously several years later that I had the financial means to do so, but um, that's, that's kind of what my inspiration was. Uh, and then in 2019... Um, we were, we actually had bought another house and I decided that that would be our first start. And, uh, so we rented the property that we owned formerly. Okay. Uh, so you, you had your own personal residence rent. and you bought a different, you upgraded yeah. or, or moved away and decided to rent your, your original house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and some other things we can get into later in the trial and error. Um, some other things kind of came up right around that time. And, and then uh, that's kind of how we got into the Burr strategy. Uh, and then the most recent purchase I made was was more of like a traveling nurse Airbnb type property. Interesting. Yeah. It goes on furnished finder. So it, it's a it's a little bit of a different avenue and, and some lessons have been learned there too. So. Well, that's the whole thing. All, all about learning lessons, right? And hopefully they aren't right. too expensive. So, so what does your portfolio look like right now, Brent, as we speak at the beginning of 2023? Uh, right now, I have I, I have three properties. So I have the the rental that we uh, that put well, I, I have my personal residence and three rentals. So the rental that we we formerly lived in that's rented out now, um, and, and that was a that was a big property. So it is a four bedroom, like two thousand square foot property. So the rent on it was pretty good. Cash flow is good on it. So uh, that that gave us the means to get into a couple other properties. And so then I've got another property that that we did kind of the burr strategy on and then this Airbnb type property that I've got. Cool. Now moving ahead, because you've got a traditional normal type rental, you've got a burr. Did you put a secondary suite in that burr or just fix up a house and rent it out? What, what does the burr look like? No. So the burr we bought, it, it's actually an interesting story. So my daughter, my stepdaughter was, was living with us at the time and uh, she was hitting like 20 years old and we were, kind of ready for that to stop so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i found this property on facebook that this guy was basically owner financing for okay. a really low price and uh so we went and took a look at it and uh me and the guy just hit it off you know and i was like hey i'm if i buy this i'm not gonna live in it i'm just telling you um and he's like no that's fine that's that's fine you know however you want to do it and so we ended up with that property. Well, getting into it, we didn't realize how much of a job it was going to be, but we literally gutted the whole place and, and basically rebuilt it. We took it down to the studs and did new electrical. And I probably broke a ton of laws on the way because I didn't have any clue like what I needed permits for, what I didn't. And, and right. we 
we put it all together um, and then made, basically made her move into it. That's when we sold our other, or when we bought our other house and moved out of our, our bigger house. Uh, so we downsized so she wouldn't be incentivized to move in with us. You're moving to get, get away from your kids. There you go. Right. All right. But then they, they're, our first house, the house that we moved out of, we we were getting it ready to go onto the market. So we, we did a bunch of work to it too, right? Like refinished the hardwood floors and it tore up, yeah. tore up all this carpet and found out there were nice hardwood floors out there just need to refinish. So we didn't really do a big rehab on it, but we, we did a lot of, you know, small refinishing floors, painting walls, stuff like that, replacing a little bit of carpet on the steps. Yep. Um, and so we got that house and then that's when COVID hit. And my wife actually works for a law firm and they were having a heck of a time just with people just getting in houses and not paying rent. You couldn't evict right. it. So we made the decision just to hold the property. We, we actually didn't try to rent it. We just held it until that mess cleared up because we knew the chances were high that we'd get somebody in there and they wouldn't pay the rent and there was nothing we could do about it. So it was right. just better to hold it. Better to hold it vacant than to have a crappy tenant in it. Yeah. Right. For free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, so... Brent, I don't want to dig too much into the family situation, but it sounds like, you know, you, you bought this, the Burr property for your, your stepdaughter to get her out of the house, get her into this, her own place. Yeah. How has that worked out having a family member as a tenant, especially somebody so close to you? Yeah. Well, I, I would advise against it. Yeah. <laughs> I typically wouldn't rent to anybody I know. Like I, I'd prefer to stay out of it. Um, and family and friends and all kinds of stuff like that is a pain. Um, yeah. in that case, it was just like, it was just an investment in the happiness. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I looked mental, at it as a mental health, a mental health. Exactly. Investment. If she didn't pay rent, like I felt better about it anyway. So, yeah. uh, and that it eventually worked out, you know, where she found her own place and, and got on her feet and, uh, then we're able to rent that property for. Okay. Out. So now you got somebody else in there and it's yeah, just. Yeah. So okay, it's more it was like, a temporary thing, but that was the reason that we bought it. Definitely, right, right. Okay, and then you moved into the the whole furnished rental thing. Walk me through that. How did that happen? Yeah, so I had been talking to my real estate agent quite a bit about another deal. I, I had some liquid capital that I could use for a down payment, and uh, so I, I looked at a couple uh, duplexes actually. Um, but what I was running into in the market, you may not run into this as much literally just a few months later, like now, then we closed on this property in December, but, um, I had a lot of, she had a lot of what I would call distressed rentals, right. Which were like rentals where people were paying way under market for rent. Um, she was coming to me for, but the landlords that she was working with were asking like market price, like what they, you know, would assess for or appraise for. So, I was like, I don't really, I'm not that into that gig. Like, I don't want to be the jerk that goes in and says to somebody that's lived there for 10 years and paid $650 a month, but I'm going to double their rent. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, first of all, legally, are you allowed to even do that in uh, Missouri? Yeah. I mean, well, it depends on the agreement they have with the landlord. So, Got like, it. I, I would have to go basically get them to sign with their there's a form that you have to get them to sign that basically says what their agreement is with their landlord but then in missouri when they you know when the lease comes up for renew you can pretty much do missouri's pretty landlord friendly oh, that's so good. you can pretty much do whatever you want in the in the renewal mm. uh, so i was probably 
chances are I was going to end up with a vacant property that somebody lived in for 10 years that I was going to have to fix up right. put more money in, or, you know, they were going to pay a much more amount, a couple of properties that we looked at, I mean, the tenant had indicated they wouldn't pay any more rent. So chances are I was looking at probably taking over a property, collecting under market rents for a little while, and then having to fill the property. And then having to do a massive rehab and having paid right. full market value for it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. There was no margin for, for a rehab. But did you, did you try doing some low ball offers, just explaining that to the sellers? Yeah. Yeah, we tried. Uh, the one wanted to retire, and I really tried to play that card. Like, oh, you know, you want to retire, you don't want to be doing this anymore. And and they were they were pretty firm on their price. They came down a little bit. Yeah, uh, but know, not enough to make it worthwhile. Not yeah, not enough to. I mean, the, the problem was is that they were they knew they'd be able to sell it at, mm-hmm. at a pretty high price, even with that tenant in there, even though that market rent was the market was, or the rent was way below market. So, okay. So, sorry, I, I got you off topic there. So how did you actually get into this, this third property, the, the one that's the furnished rental? Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, so my, my real estate is the same real estate and we had been talking about deals and she brought this one to me. She's like, this is kind of a different thing, but this is a property that they're selling like completely furnished. Um, the people basically wanted the money, uh, to go invest in another property, like in a different state. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the, the reason they were willing to sell or they were more motivated to sell was they had already had an offer. They already had it under contract and that all fell through right? Um, because of the inspection. Oh. So um, the inspection came back that it needed a new roof. And so the, the, the person buying it under contract demanded that they fix that uh, for them to purchase it. But because of the money they put into the new roof, they wanted more money. And so the seller backed out. Right. I mean, the buyer backed out, not the seller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they were a little more motivated to sell. And so, so they actually did fix the roof. Yeah. They did put a new roof on it. Wow. Um, right. So, I mean, it was, it was cheaper before they put the new roof on it, but now I don't have to worry about a roof uh, the exactly. like warranty and all kinds of crap with it. So um, that, that made it a pretty good deal, even though the price was a little higher than they were originally asking for it, it was, it turned out to be a pretty good deal. And they were renting it out as a, as a furnished rental themselves. It was already an established Yeah. Yeah, They had it on furnished finder. They had like income proof that they were making, which, you know, was decent cash flow, even with, with my amortization payment and stuff. I was, I was pretty interested in that, but Mm -hmm. I again, had no experience in, I actually had never even heard of Furnished Finder. I didn't know what that was, um, let alone listing a property on it. And then actually I had a, a person write the content for the property based on the pictures. I had to write a listing for Furnished Finder because I, like I said, I wasn't experienced. I hired somebody to do that. And then she actually had that lady that did that actually had a furnished property. So she gave me some good advice and she was like, hey, you should probably put it on Airbnb too. Yeah. Um, you know, just to fill the gaps between Furnished Finder. So it, it kind of worked out where I got good advice things worked out and and it's been a good, good buy, but uh, it was definitely outside of my comfort zone. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't dealt with the furnished rental or Airbnb or furnished finder or anything like that. Well, Hey, no, now at this point, a couple of years into your investing career, you've got a whole bunch of different experiences. You've got, you know, just a traditional rental that, that your first home that you turned around and rented out. Then you bought the one for your stepdaughter, which turned into a burr. Had her in there for a little while, then got somebody else in, and then you got into a a furnished rental. So you got yep. a, kind of a wide range of experience. Moving ahead, what are you planning on doing more of? Uh, I think right now, definitely more of the burr deals. Um, 
just recently why, why we had is that yeah well just recently we had a we had so that one i bought super cheap that we kind of rehabbed ourselves um it needed it actually had some plumbing problems in it and and i had to have a bunch of work done and i had to cut into the sheetrock and stuff the brand yep. sheet that i just put up um and so i i i found a pretty good contractor that helped me out replaced like the doors and did a bunch of work for me for a pretty good price and so i think that you know going forward our, our best strategy is probably to go after, you know, some distressed properties. There's quite a few neighborhoods in town that have some distressed properties. Okay. Um, getting into those, uh, trying to make some offers on on some lower properties, lower value properties. And and I've got a good way now to get comps. So I kind of know what the, the retail value is before I get into it. So, you know, we've, we've kind of figured out some things along the way. So that, I really feel like that's our best strategy because I, I, uh, the, got the, the team purchase, got it in place. Purchasing yeah. the turnkey isn't that exciting to me because the cash flow isn't that good. I've got kind of the things I need in place to do the the burr, get a good refinance, get my cash back out, and then go on to the next deal. So with the burrs, are you planning on turning those into furnished rentals once they're done? Probably not. Um, uh, I've got a really good property management in place for the longer term ones. So. I live in Springfield, Missouri. There are there's a lot of Airbnbs here and a lot of furnished rentals here. But honestly, you know, Branson's about 45 minutes south. If I was to do another uh, do another Airbnb type property, I'd probably go somewhere like Branson or, or maybe Lake of the Ozark, something that has a little more of a tourist destination mm -hmm. thing. Springfield, you know, doesn't have a bunch of tourism. And, and I mean, we have hotels and stuff, but I, I just don't see that as a real good market. Got it. That's not the ideal thing for it. All right. So... And, and no real incentive to travel here. Right. Okay. So you're going to focus more on the burrs and, and if you could wave the realistic magic wand, how many of them would you like to do in the next 12 months? Um, well, realistically, what I could do is probably three to six. Um, mm -hmm. I still work a W2 job and I travel a lot for work. So, I mean, realistically, I mean, I, I definitely can get a contractor. I definitely can manage the stuff, but it, it, would, it would probably, I could probably only do one every couple of months. Um, so that that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah, and are you going planning on self financing these properties, or are you going to start working with joint venture partners or investors? Um, probably start working with some some joint venture partners. Uh, and mm -hmm. you know that's how I came across your podcast and a couple other books and stuff that I've been kind of studying up on and what the best way to go about that is. Um, you know, I've got some friends that know what I'm doing, so I've got some friends that probably are willing to back me as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and trust the way that I'm I'm going with the money, but, um, but yeah, definitely not wanting to self fund all these for sure. I mean, I'd eventually like to to kick this W two gig and just get into this in a more regular full time thing. Yeah, uh, then it just supplement my income, right? So no, that that makes a lot of sense. We've got a, a number of clients, very very similar situation that they, you know, they're they're working the job. They've got a couple of properties in the portfolio. They want to get out of the job eventually. So it's like, hey, how do you how do you scale things up? So typically, yeah. what what we're seeing works best for people, Brent, is like you're talking about, right? Leveraging your connections, but yeah. really important that. Uh, that you start off on the right foot. It reminds me of uh, a couple of clients of ours, Bobby and Jenny. They're actually not too far away from your neck of the woods, but and they're doing something kind of, kind of similar. But here's what they found: they they found that they were kind of they they kind of talked to some 
friends and family about what they're up to, but for whatever reason, nobody really took them all that seriously, right. even though they built up a bit of a portfolio uh, until they kind of took it more seriously. Right. So they, right. They, they took, they took, they took the raising capital side of things more professionally. They started getting the word out. They, they reconnect, they rekindle a lot of connections before they started talking deals and, and, you know, looking for investors kind of thing. And once they'd done that for not very long, just like a couple of weeks, then people started going, Oh, Hey, these guys must be serious. And then they started paying attention. They started looking at their website and then they started watching their videos and reading their little blog posts and their little newsletters and stuff and, and started reaching out to them and saying, I didn't really know you guys were in real estate. And they're saying, well, yeah, we, we told you two years ago what we were doing, but <laughs> just, whatever, it just never really resonated with them. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, it's, it, if you, if you kind of do it in a, in a haphazard way, you're going to get haphazard results. But if you, if you look professional, that's when people start to start to yeah. pay attention. Yeah. And we've been working a lot on like social media and stuff. I mean, it's, it's not near where it should be, but just getting in front of people, you know, telling our story, telling some fun stories, just trying to get, you know, a bit of a following. Cause I, I don't necessarily think it, I, I need to know the person right now to, to get the funding, but uh, uh, so yeah, so we're working on some things like that, trying to figure out the best way to, to raise capital. So yeah, no, that's awesome, man. So so moving ahead to do these four, five, six deals in the next 12 months, what do you see being some of the, the things that might be a challenge for you, Brent? Oh, uh, I would say probably the biggest challenge is just getting the, the deal flow. Um, it's, it's not too hard to see some distressed properties in the area. Mm -hmm. and, and I've, you know, I've got to get an agent that kind of looks out for some stuff like that. Um, I think the, the market right now kind of is, is really favorable um, mm, for yeah. going after those properties, right? I think there's been a big shift, just like I said, in the last couple of months where where I think you could probably go get a steal on some of those properties that you may not have been able to in the past because people just, you know, wanted what they what they thought they were worth, not what they were really right. worth. Uh, I think it's a good time to get into it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and and so I think just finding the, the places that are willing to sell, I'm I'm on several wholesalers lists. I've had a couple come across. I'm like, dang it. Like I just had, just had one the other day that I sent to my wife. It was a, it was a hoarder house. And I was like, Oh, this house is perfect. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but I was out of town and, and I was like, well, another one will come along. We're not quite ready to do anything right this second, but yeah, it was, it, it was a perfect deal. Um, we, we could have definitely made it work, but uh, had to pass on that one. But that's what I've kind of been keeping my eyes on. I have to kind of, I, with my time, I have to kind of outsource the whole you know, deal finding. I, I can't really uh, have time to drive for dollars or something like that. I, I could probably do some direct mail, but I mean, even on my current house, I get like six letters a day that, you know, from people that are trying to wholesale houses. So right. I feel like it's a very competitive market. Well, I think uh, that's a smart idea, right? If you're, if you're tapped into all those guys that are doing all that marketing, sure, you're going to have to pay, you know, have to pay their fee for them assigning right. the deal to you. But at the moment, you know, that saves you a hell of a lot of time and effort. Yeah. I think what, what you might have to take a look at, Brent, is how can you tie up these properties, get them under contract, even if you're on the road, without yeah. necessarily putting yourself at a lot of risk, right? So if you can yeah. tie it up until you get back home and you can take a take a look at it, what, what can you do around that, uh, around that idea? 
Yeah, I, I think we can definitely do that. Um, you know, like I was actually on the road when I got this one. I said to my wife, like, if, if we really wanted to make that one happen, we could have. I'm on a ton of wholesaler. I, like everybody yeah. says, put on my mailing list. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. just do what they have. And so um, I, I think we could have made that one work. We, we just didn't. We didn't want to right at this time. But, um, you know, she could have went by and looked at it or whatever. And so I, your, I wife, your wife's kind of working with you in the in the business. She's open to that. Yeah. And she's a lawyer, too. Right. You're saying she she's a paralegal okay so. but she works with in law so yeah she works for oh, she, she works yeah she's a paralegal she understands she it all inside out she's doing all right. the hard work yeah she's done a lot of landlord tenant stuff I yeah. mean, she works in family law primarily but she's done landlord tenant stuff business contracts all kinds of good stuff so yeah so. that's awesome yeah she does work lawyers most of the time <laughs> you you got you got the cross the t's dot the i person right there with you that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome brett so so, uh, okay. So deal flow is going to be a little bit of a challenge. And then, um, you're looking to, to get into starting to work with private lenders, private capital, that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your, what's your plans for, for doing that, especially seeing that you're so busy. Yeah. So like I said, really kind of up in the social media stuff, uh, also just trying to, you know, I think it was a guest of yours actually, it was talking about talking about, um, just networking events. Right. And like, mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe I don't have the experience of, you know, 40 years of doing this, or I don't have a portfolio of hundred properties, but I still know more than somebody going to that event. So yeah. getting out in front of them uh, will help as well, I think. And especially, you know, I, I worked with a guy and I, I don't really see him that much, but he was, he works at the same place I do. And uh, he was kind of an, an investor and you could tell like some of his stories and some of his struggles. And so finding people like that, that might just want to, might have the cash to invest, but just maybe not want to do all the legwork. Yeah. Um, we've got a pretty good system in place for like how we, you know, get a property cleaned out, renovated, trees trimmed, whatever needs to be done. Like we have a pretty good system for that. We've got a great property manager now um, mm -hmm. that, that fills properties quickly and, and and prices them right. So we've got a lot of the systems in place we need. We just gotta gotta get the, the No, that's smart. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. You start hanging around at at these RIAs and real estate investment clubs. And how big yeah. is Springfield? What's what's the population? Uh, 160,000, I think. I might be a little low on that, but yeah. yeah. Is that including the surrounding area or is that just the city property? That's just the city. There's there's quite a bit of opportunity in the surrounding areas. Rents aren't quite as high and distressed properties actually aren't quite as high because the, the outlying areas have newer properties. So yeah. it's a little harder to find you know, the distressed properties in those areas. But it's not that they're not there. I mean, it's- a, Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just saying there's area. probably some RIAs. There's a couple of real estate meetups or RIAs yeah. in your area. Yeah, that'd be a good place to go because typically what we've seen, Brent, and, and I've, this is always some suggestions we have for, for our clients and students and whatnot is- Get out there, but don't just be passive. Don't just be the guy that kind of sits back. Get in there and and help out with yeah. the RIA because typically it's like one or two people carrying the entire load. They would love some help. And even if it's just setting up the chairs ahead of time, if it's just taking a tent, you know, have signing people in, whatever it is, people start to see your face and associate you with the club, with the association, right? right? And right. then Typically in these places, you've got a lot of people like your, your buddy who maybe have done a deal or two in the past, but for whatever reason, they aren't doing them now, or they'd love to get into a deal, but they're too scared to pull the trigger on their, on their right. own, but they might partner up with somebody like you. So that's a great way to grow your connections. But what, 
what's really interesting, Brett, what a lot of people have found is right within your existing connections without even worrying about social media yet, because you have to be careful of the social media, right? Because if you, 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 yeah, it's fine for just educating people, but it cannot have any hint of solicitation right. or that can get you in big time doo-doo with your not so friendly securities and exchange commission, right? So yeah. careful of that. But yeah. if you really focus in, because again, you'd probably be working with joint venture partners to start with, with your existing connections, we typically find there's, there's somewhere between a million and 2 million bucks worth of capital there already. You just have to kind of figure out who's got it and, and how to entice them to join forces with you. So yeah. it simplifies the heck out of your life, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of conversations to be had. I've got, you know, friends that invest in all kinds of stuff and it seemed to trust me and my advice. So maybe they'll let me manage. Yeah, yeah maybe they tried crypto point. or something like that. It didn't quite right. work according to plan, eh? <laughs> I've never advised anybody to go there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Brent, this is awesome. If people want to find out more about Mr. Brent Sweet and what you're up to, what's the best way for them to connect? Um, I'm pretty much on... YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and it's at the Brent Sweet on all three. So that's an easy one to remember. Easy one to remember. Awesome. Awesome, my friend. Well, thank you very much for sharing a little bit of your ups and downs and, and how you've built this real estate portfolio by trial and error. I appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. Happy. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode.